Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. Do you want to know how to better study God's Word? Then participate in one of our free online workshops or join one of our online Bible studies. There are tons of times and options to choose from. Head to our website to register now at www.preceptministries.ca. On our website, you can also get connected to our social media pages and join our email list to stay updated on the many things God is doing through Preset Ministries. We want to hear from you. If you have been impacted by these podcasts or another area of Preset Ministries Canada, then we want to know. Email us your testimonies to info at preceptministries.ca. We can't wait to hear about how God is working in your life. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth, a study on the book of Colossians. Hello, everyone. Mark Sheldrake here. Again, another episode of Unlocking the Truth, week seven in the book of Colossians. We're making our way to nine weeks in total. That means we just have a couple more weeks left. Uh, Just a reminder... uh, that if you have any testimonies or any impact stories of how God is using this tool to impact your life, please share it with us at info at preceptministries.ca. I've received some testimonies, and I've got to tell you, I am so encouraged by them. God is at work, people. It's absolutely amazing. I am so glad that these individuals have shared how God is working through this tool. Uh, It's a real encouragement Uh, for us, but most importantly, God gets all of the glory in this, and that uh, is enough for me, folks. That's the mission that we have, is we want to engage people in relationship with God through knowing His Word. That's what gets us up in the morning, that's what gets us excited, and we want you to uh, really know God and live differently. So let me pray, and we'll get right into Colossians. Father, we do thank you again thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that we have forgiveness of sins because his blood was shed on the cross for us. Father, we're so thankful that we have the privilege of being called a child of God. That, Father, as we look at the text today, that there are some clear instructions from Paul to the church, also to us, vital instructions for us in the process of sanctification as we grow to be more and more like you. So, Lord, uh, just work with our hearts. Convict us of sin, Lord. Help us to be more like you each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we go. Uh, Last week, we got as far as the fourth verse in chapter 3. Four verses last week. And uh, this week, we're going to make our way a little bit deeper. We're not going to get too much further. We're going to get as far uh, as uh, chapter 5 up to verse 11. You know, I'm hoping, I'm saying this is nine weeks, folks. I'm hoping that we're going to make it nine weeks. But we've got a lot to cover. I know that uh, we'll begin to fly through uh, chapter the end of chapter 4 there. But What a blessing it has been to bring this to you each and every week. I am just amazed even taking the time to study what God is showing me again over and over and over as we work through the scriptures uh, together. So uh, this week, 
we start again. Last week, we started with a therefore. This week, we start with a therefore. The therefores, those terms of conclusion where we've got to keep looking back and we look back. So quick reminder of what we looked at last week. Set your mind on the things above. Remember the drawing we did. Looking up at God, you have all these worldly desires, all these things of the flesh all around you, poking and prodding you from the left and the right, wanting all of your attention, but your attention should be nowhere else but on Jesus. All right, so now uh, Paul's going to start to bring out another instruction. So if you're writing in the margin of your Bible, here's the instruction. Seek the things above. Instruction. All right, that is something to do. The next is um, focus your eyes, set your mind on Jesus. The third instruction comes in that therefore, and that therefore says, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. All right, so now let's just not even move any further beyond that first initial instruction and statement because what we want to know and we want to understand as believers starts with this therefore consider. Now, consider here in the text is not something like, you know, should we, hmm, let's think about, can we, swish hmm, uh, Oh, if you're American and you're listening to this, Swish LA, Canadian restaurant, rotisserie chicken. Uh, we call it church chicken because everybody goes to Swish LA after church on Sundays. That's like the tradition here. Anyway, it's like pondering whether you should do something or not. Oh, let me consider it and think about it. Uh, my father-in-law taught me early on in my ministry career when I was pastoring. Uh, he taught me a great statement. Uh, thank you, I'll take that into consideration, and I'll get back to you. Uh, that was a statement that he gave me, and I was like, you know, that's a really good statement. But uh, one of the things that with that statement was like, you know, I'll think about it, I, I might get around to it, but you know, thanks for telling me, but I may actually never do anything with it. Uh, that's not what Paul is saying in chapter 3, uh, verse 5. He when he says consider, he literally means put it to death. So kill it. Get rid of it. So it's not a real consider, think about it. It's an action of you need to do it. You need to get rid of it. So what he says here is consider the members of your earthly body uh, as dead to immorality. All right, don't think about it. Don't ponder it, consider it. Hey, it's dead. It no longer should have life within the life of a believer. These are the things that you followed after prior to your saving grace in Jesus Christ. This is before Jesus. Consider all that stuff dead. Listen to the things that he tells you to consider dead. Immorality impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, all which amounts to idolatry. Let me break these down for you just, just in case you were wondering what exactly Paul was telling you to do. Uh, and then we'll, we'll quickly compare to the culture. Okay, ready? Here we go. Uh, immorality, sexual sin, 
consider it dead. Uh, impurity is any uh, filth, anything that's dirty, that corrupts the things that are clean. Um, those things, whether they're natural or physical, things that are filthy. Um, passion, consider it dead. Passion is a strong emotion or a desire or a craving. Interesting that those things are directly connected to sexual sin and the filth and the things that are dirty. Let's look at the next one. Uh, the next one is evil desire. That's uh, a desire to act with wicked conduct. So uh, you have the desire to act and misbehave and be disobedient. And the next one is greed, which can also be described as coveting. Uh, looking and wanting the desire to have more. Uh, coveting is one of those things that uh, we can all be guilty of. We look at our neighbors and we look at the people that have things around us. Uh, for me, this is one of the areas I always want to work on because I'm I'm so jealous of my neighbor's lawn. My neighbor's lawn is like a golf course. It's beautiful. Uh, it's perfectly green. I'm pretty sure that he goes along and, and trims it perfectly with scissors. And my lawn is nice and yellow. Sometimes the little flowers, weeds, have white on them, you know, as the dandelions pass. But our lawn looks nothing like the neighbor's lawn. And I look out, and there's a distinct difference between the two. Uh, I've mentioned this before in the podcast. I mentioned it before in training as well. Uh, our lawn looks so bad in comparison to the neighbor's that my mother and father-in-law have given us the gift of a lawn package because it looks so bad. Um, that coveting is the desire to want more, to, to have something that uh, you don't have and you want to get it. Uh, all of this leads to idolatry. Uh, the most interesting thing that comes out of all of these things, uh, we know, and if you look, these are things that can be hidden within the heart. They're all things that are not necessarily always seen on the outside. Uh, we can struggle with sexual sin in the darkness of our own home not even know, having anybody else know that we struggle with sexual sin. We can have addictions to pornography and different things and just looking at women and lusting after them. Uh, this can all be hidden from the outside world. Uh, impurity and filth, and you know, these things, uh, some of them can be seen, but what about our thoughts that continually go to the natural uh, or physical kind of bad areas of our lives. Uh, passion, that strong desire and emotion or craving, that comes from within. Uh, that's not always shown and manifested on the outside. <clears throat> All sins of the heart, of the inside of us internally, evil desire, the desire to act evil and wicked conduct, uh, greed and covetedness, we can sit in our house and we can stare out at our neighbors and their cars and the things they purchase and they have, their green grass. But you know what? We can do that in secret. It all leads to idolatry. Idolatry 
is the worship of anything but God. Where does worship start? Starts within our mind and goes with our heart. It's all internal. Everything that we do here, he's telling us to get rid of all of those internal things that give us life as non-believers. And so here, uh, we're going to keep working our way through. He, he wants us to consider all these things dead. That in purity of heart that we have with Christ Jesus, we shouldn't have these things of the world anymore. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 11 to 13. Uh, Romans six eleven to 13 says this. It says, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to a sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present your bodies to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be a master over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Uh, sin, when we are children of God, does not rule over us anymore. We had sin rule over us before Jesus, but when Jesus died on the cross and his blood was shed for us, when he was resurrected from the dead, he defeated sin. Sin has no power anymore over us because we are his children. Therefore, that's why you are to consider all of these things dead. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. So in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11, Paul says this. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, nor, neither fornicators, adulterers, idolaters, effeminate or homosexuals, thieves, covetous, drunkards, Revilers, swindlers, swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you before you were washed, but you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 to 10 builds on this as well, that we are not to allow these things to rule over us. In verse 3 of chapter 5 of Ephesians, but immorality and impurity and greed must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. There must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers of them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Consider it dead Consider all the things that are mentioned here, these internal sins, these things that build up in our heart and mind that cause us to outwardly act. They must be considered dead because Jesus defeated sin on the cross. 
we are children of God. If we've been raised up with Christ, we no longer live in them. They no longer rule over us. And we are free from those sins. Psalm says, as far as the east is to the west, so our sins are forgiven. Uh, what you need to do is think about this. Well, you know, you might be saying to yourself as you're listening to this, man, some of these things really creep up on me. You know, I find myself falling into this trap all the time. The important thing is to recognize your weaknesses and recognize the areas of your life where sin creeps in. You see, it doesn't come in and just nail you in the face. It creeps. It's like a slow slide. And then suddenly you act upon that. If you want a great example of this, go back to the life of David and Bathsheba. If you were to write out everything that happened between him and Bathsheba, you would see it started with just looking. Looking became asking questions about Bathsheba. <clears throat> then after asking questions about Bathsheba, the sin was acted upon. And then it was covered up and it was tried to be hidden. But it started with the look. It started with the internal desires that turned into the outward actions. The outward actions resulted in the death of Bathsheba's husband, which was unreal. David causing the death of another man to hide his sin. So what Paul wants us to do is he wants to consider all those things that can eat us up inside as dead. Why? Because we've been raised with Christ. Let's keep going. Look what he says next. He says in at verse 5, Consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. It's because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. So it's what he's saying is, look, before Christ, this is the way you lived. But now you identify with Jesus Christ. And because you identified with Jesus Christ, why would you ever want to be living the life you were before? You don't want to be enslaved by those sins. You don't want to be ruled by those sins. You don't want those sins to be emanating out of your body. You want Jesus to be that outward glow and light that comes from your lips, that comes from your heart, that in everything you do, you glorify Jesus. Right? Because you've got your, your eyes. Your eyes are set on one thing. They're set on Jesus. And because they're set on Jesus, because you've been raised up with him, you can't live the way that you lived before you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Verse 6 tells us you want to keep living that way, that you will be judged. These are the things that bring on the wrath of God. Paul tells us in Corinthians, you live this way, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This is why Christianity is so much more than saying a prayer, raising a hand, walking the aisle, and living in the elementary principles of the gospel. 
We need to be sanctified to be more and more like him. You have to have a hunger for God's word. You got to want to study it because as the more you study God's word, the more you will see the sin in your life. Galatians says that the law was a tutor that showed us what sin was. It showed us the need for a savior. So here you go. You've got it this way. The most amazing thing is, think about it. What you've got is you have an opportunity here. Okay, so you look at sin and you see the sins in your life. And as you cut them out one by one, or maybe you cut out a number of them all at once, what happens is you look at that sin and you you might just start to walk in that path going, you know, I think I'm kind of getting this Christianity thing. I'm getting this process of sanctification. I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. My words are different. My thoughts are different. I have a hunger for God's word. But you know what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit is going to search your, the depths of your heart and he's going to point out another sin that continues to rule over you and he's going to want to show you and he's going to want you to see it clearly so that you'll do something about it and get rid of it and consider it dead. This is the process of sanctification. That every moment we think we're getting closer and closer, we're going to be pointed out an area of our heart that is still so very sinful. We're going to be convicted of it, but the action that we need to take is consider it dead. Because if we don't change and we don't transform to be more and more like Jesus Christ, we're not really saved. We could have said that prayer. We could have raised that hand. We could have walked that aisle. But if we didn't change, we just said empty and idle words to Jesus. That's why we need to consider ourselves dead to these things. Our heart needs to be transformed. The stone of sin needs to be chipped away. We need to be given, as Ezekiel says, that heart of flesh where the spirit will be within us. This new covenant promise through Jesus Christ. We need to be new people. That's what Paul is going to be walking us through for the remainder of the text that we're looking at. You see, in verse 8, we have another but. Uh, The but is another instruction. But now you also put them all aside. All right, so lay them aside, uh, get rid of them, uh, move them away like you don't want them. Um, This is a great comparison. Think about this for a moment. Imagine you're sitting there, and and we've we've been in this situation. This is a very true situation. Uh, My wife and I were driving on a road trip, and, and we bought a giant bag of m m peanut version. Oh my goodness. Just thinking about these things makes my, uh, my mouth water. But you know, you're driving in the car and it was a, it was a 13 hour trip and you just keep putting your hand in the bag and your hand in your bag. And then finally you say, take these away from me, put them aside. I don't want them any longer. This is what we've got to do with these sins. Put them aside, lay them away, get rid of them. All right. So now look at the things he tells us that we need to lay aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech, all from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. And then he says, you've got to lay aside your old self and these evil practices. So let's look a little closer. Let's start with anger. Uh, The anger that's described here is 
you know, it's not like that little outburst of anger that you might have when you stub your toe or your, your, your child does something wrong. The intent of this anger is that it's in view of causing or doing revenge. So taking revenge on somebody, this is a deep-seated anger that causes you to want to go out and harm someone. Now, he, he's going to tell us that there's a couple of ways in which you can harm. Obviously, we know there's a physical way you can harm, but there's also a harm that comes through our language. So what we've got here, he says, uh, you've got to put aside this anger, this desire to bring about revenge. This, this is all going to come together as we look at the next uh, little part here. So uh, revenge, anger, get rid of it. Uh, wrath. The idea of wrath here is a state of mind um, that you have where you have these outbursts of anger. You suddenly get really angry, and what that can lead to is an action of causing harm. So these things here, watch for it now, anger, wrath, malice. Okay, malice is hostility or a strong dislike towards something, and in this case, someone. Slander, that's evil speaking against another person. Uh, abusive speech, uh, filthy, dirty talk, uh, locker room talk. Shouldn't have it. Now, let's put the two together. <coughs> now, let's put the two together, okay? In the first part, he says, consider the things dead. Consider immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, covetousness, idolatry. Consider them dead. Get rid of them. They're not a part of your life anymore. Lay aside anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech. Do you know what these all are? These are all manifestations of the internal. Uh, think about this. Uh, if I greed and covet, could I physically harm somebody because I covet so much? Well, we see a lot of murders happen that way. Uh, if I am greedy and covetous, coveting, then edit. If I'm greedy and I covet things and, and I'm very jealous of what my neighbor has and what uh, people around me have, I could start to speak evil of them. I could slander them. You see, all of these things, as I see it here, they're all the things that are physically shown on the outside. You know what? You can see when somebody's angry. You can see when somebody's having wrath and outbursts of anger. You can see when somebody has a strong dislike or hostility towards another one. You definitely can see when people are speaking evil. And you absolutely know when somebody is speaking filthy or that locker room talk. Super offensive. These are all the outward things. What the heart so desires, the mouth will speak. So he wants you to take care of the inside and the outside. So do not lie to one another. That's another one. 
uh, don't lie. So now let's look at what he says next. He says, do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Um, the idea of lay aside the old self is this, that you put off or stripped off and got rid of clothing. Uh, this means that you got rid of it, you took it off, you no longer wear it anymore. So what Paul is saying here is, because you have been raised with Christ, your eyes are set on the things above, you have to take off your old self. Okay, get rid of it. And so let's look at a couple cross-references that refer to this. Romans chapter 6, uh, verses 5 to 10. So Romans 6, 5 to 10. So what he says here is, uh, For if we have become united with him in likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would be no longer slaves to sin. For we, he who has died is free from sin. Now if we've died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is a master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So what's Paul telling us here? All right. When we accepted the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we said, rule over our lives, Jesus we had to pick up our cross and follow him. We had to die to our old self. That's when we were, just like baptism, buried under the water, buried and raised up in newness of life. Uh, we'll look at that passage in a minute. But we've been united with him. We are like him in his death and his resurrection. It knows that when that happened, our old self died. We left it behind. We walked away from it. Now we're in 100% full pursuit of Jesus. One of my most favorite television shows as a child, and I'll admit, still watch it now, was The Dukes of Hazard. I loved Roscoe P. Coltrane, the sheriff. He would always say when he was chasing the Duke boys, I'm in hot pursuit. I'm in hot pursuit of the Duke boys. When we die to our old self, we're now in hot pursuit of Jesus. We're not lingering in the old. We are in the new. We're freed from sin. We're no longer slaves of sin. Why in the world would we ever want to go back under that? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in the under, their understanding and excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because the hardness of their heart, they become callous, having given themselves over to the sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. You did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, 
that the reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside your old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on a new self in which the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Lay aside falsehood. Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. We are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not let... Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. He must, he who uh, must steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor performing with his own hand what is good so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, alone with, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ Jesus also forgave you. Uh, you are a new creature in Jesus Christ. If you have been raised up with Jesus, that's what he's saying. Set your mind on things above. Consider the things of the world, the deeds of the flesh, dead. Get rid of them. Remove them. Get put aside anger, malice, filthy, dirty talk, anything that's evil, slandering people. Get rid of it all. Why? Because when you accepted Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he defeated sin. You no longer a slave to sin. It no longer masters you. You have put on the new self. And that's the next point that Paul gets to in Colossians chapter 3. He says in verse 10, uh, let me go back to verse 9 quickly. Do not lie to one another since you lay aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who's being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of God and the one who created him. A renewal in which there's no distinction between Greek and Jew, uncircumcised and circumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave and freeman, but Christ is all and in all. Uh, the idea of put on is to enter in to a new self. So it's now to live and dwell and be in this new self. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 24. It says, Put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. First uh, John chapter 3. Go back and look at all of the signs of the person who's living in the life of a new self. The idea here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10 of being renewed is to change into something different. So we are no longer like we were before. We are now changing, forming, shaping into something new, into the likeness of God. This is absolutely amazing what he's telling us. He's telling us first through this whole letter that Jesus is supreme. He is greater than anything. 
Why? Because he gives us the ability through the work of the cross to take off the old self and put on the new self because we're no longer slaves to sin. He's also sufficient because he is the one who brings us all together in him. We need nothing more than Jesus, but we do have a responsibility. The responsibility we have in putting on the new self is that our lives should be formed and shaped to be more like Jesus. Well, how are you doing with that? How is that process of sanctification going in your life? Are you still hanging on and living in the world that you once lived before Christ? Are so, there are some things in that world that you still love so much that you're struggling to get rid of them? Do you recognize or identify those things that you need to get rid of? Or have you not really thought through what true righteousness and what God wants from us looks like? We should be distinctly different from the world. One of the things that I noticed as I was Uh, doing youth ministry in my early ministry careers is that when youth groups would get together in citywide events, these are kids who would go to high school together but go to different churches. Uh, In our city, we used to run a youth event that was about 800 kids would come together once a month. And as the 800 students came together once a month, the students would be looking across the... um, sanctuary and they'd be looking at all these kids all around them and they'd be like oh look you know John's here I didn't know John was a Christian that's one of the greatest statements you could ever hear from a teenager as they were sitting there going well hmm, I didn't know you know what that tells the person that their life doesn't match their words if they see something differently now Hey, in high school, you're going to see a ton of different things. But if a, ch- if a student is acting completely different the way they do at high school, and then when they go to youth group on the Friday night and they're, they're saints and angels, and then you show up at the uh, citywide event and people are like, I had no idea that they were a Christian. That would be the worst thing to have in your Wikipedia page, don't you think? Be the worst thing to have in your biography. I had no idea that they were a Christian. That means that in some way, shape, or form, Jesus is not bleeding out of you. That it's hard for people to see Jesus in the way that you live. If that be the case for your life, then you have some serious evaluation to do. And you need to cut some stuff out and consider it dead. You need to get rid of it. There's a great YouTube video, and it's from Bob Newhart, and it's a number, it's it's an old YouTube video. I'm pretty sure it was around before I was born, or maybe just around the time I was born. Uh, a woman walks into the room, and uh, Bob Newhart is playing a counselor. And the woman comes in and she 
claims to have an issue that she's been struggling with for years and years and years, and no counselor has been able to help her with this issue. And Bob Newhart says, his character goes, I can help you with that problem, and it'll only cost you $1. And the woman says, what do you mean it'll only cost me $1? I thought for sure this would take hours upon hours and to do, do sessions upon sessions. And he says, no, one hour. It's only going to take me one hour. And he says, why don't you sit down and tell me what your problem is? Well, she goes into this long explanation of one of the struggles that she's dealing with. And he looks straight at her in the eye and he says, stop it. One dollar, please. Well, the woman can't fathom that that's the solution to the problem. That can't be the solution. There has to be more. There must be a deeper rooted thing that's in there that I've got to be able to deal with. And he says, look, I can solve your problem. Just give me another dollar. And so she gives him another dollar, and she continues to speak, and he says, stop it. And this goes on for a little bit where he just keeps saying, stop it to her. He says nothing else other than give me one dollar, stop it. You might want to find that on the YouTube and just take a look at it. It is hilarious, but it's so true. Hey, stop it. Uh, if you are dealing with any of these things, and you know what? It's been really hard for you to just stop it. You know what you need to do? You need to find somebody else, and you need to look them in the eye and tell them, I am struggling with this sin, and I don't want to be ruled to rule over me anymore. I want to consider it dead, but I'm struggling with it, and I need you to help me and keep me accountable to it. If you're struggling with pornography, find filters and and things like covenant eyes that will help you to put filters on your phone. And the greatest thing about the program Covenant Eyes, it will send emails to your, um, your accountability partner. And it will tell them the sites that you've been on. Uh, no hiding the sin anymore. It's out in the open. So there are ways in which you can just stop it. But you see, if you have been truly raised up in Jesus Christ, if you are a child of God, if you are wanting and desiring to live a life after him, freed from sin, free from the bondage that comes from that, that you want to be free and feel this great peace about you when it comes to these sins that have ruled over you, consider them dead. Get rid of them. Don't turn back. Don't live in them. Don't dwell in them. Don't abide in them. Because you've put on the new self. And because you've started fresh and new, don't go back. One of the greatest difficulties that I've run into with Christians throughout the years is, am I really forgiven of those sins? The answer is yes. Sometimes we keep ourselves in the bondage of sin but we are free. Just get rid of them. Remove them. Take Bob Newhart's advice. Stop it. Start your pursuit of Jesus. Keep your mind focused on the things above. Fill that time that you used to fill with those sins with a pursuit of God's word. Dig deep into his word. Study 
get connected with a Precept online training workshop or a Precept online class or a Precept study in your community. Get among like-minded people, not people who are going to infect you with sin and cause you to go back to the way that you were. Find new people. Find people that you can walk with. I was so encouraged by one of the testimonies that came through the email. I won't go into all the details, but I just want to encourage you that this individual was listening to this podcast so challenged by the word of God that God convicted him in his life that he ended up at a training workshop. When he came to the training workshop, he realized that God was giving him a desire and a hunger to study his word. From studying, his, from studying God's word on his own, he's now studying with his wife and his daughters daily, doing devotions and prayer together. Isn't that amazing? It's taking an evaluation of our hearts, looking at how we're living as Christians. If we're raised up, if our mind is set on the things above, everything else is to be considered dead. Put on the new self. Live for Jesus. Make yourself look different. Don't be the one who someone looks at you and says, I can't believe that they're a Christian. I think that's the greatest insult that we could have as people who profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want people to see that I am different. I want people to know that I love Jesus. I want people to know that I don't live a life in pursuit of the things of the world. I haven't arrived yet. It's a process that I'm working through. I hope it's a process that you're working through. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the truth of your word. Father, the challenge and the instruction that we're here, that we're given by Paul. Consider the things, the fleshly desires dead. They have no life. To put off anger and malice that live in peace with one another. Father, it's so amazing to think that the way that we live, the way that we follow after you, that it allows us to deal with others in a proper way. Father, be with us as we continue to work through Colossians each and every week. Bring us to the point of understanding where we get to know you better. May your Holy Spirit do a work within our life this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Preset Ministries, head to our website at www.presetministries.ca.